Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Tonight, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor. We're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, tonight at 9, 8 central on CBS. Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> no, my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give them a show. Tonight, 8, 7 central on CBS. o'clock hour on Wilson and Parcel. I'm still Nick. Last time I checked, he's still Josh. And uh, listen, we've we've talked a fair amount of Cam Newton, Josh, right? We've talked a lot about how the situation's gonna gonna play out in New England. You can confirm this for me, right? Yeah, I've heard of him. So uh, I thought it was interesting. You know, we've we've heard a few things from Belichick recently on Cam Newton and the quarterback room. This morning, uh, Belichick was actually on Keyshawn Johnson's new show on uh, on ESPN on on the morning show there, and he was asked about the quarterback picture and uh, and Jared Stidham, and and here's what he offered up. Jared Stidham's really coming on here in in year two. He he got a you know great year last year in terms of you know, learning and personal and, and technique development at the position. And, and uh, Cam's been, you know, a late addition, but, you know, he's brought a lot of energy and obviously playing experience uh, to our room. And uh, for him, uh, catching up on the specifics of the Patriots, you know, system, terminology, and so forth, which, you know, he's worked extremely hard at. So, you know, Brian Lewerke is, is a, you know, a college free agent quarterback that's, you know, also in the room and, you know, is a developmental type player as well. So, um, you know, it's a good group. Um and, you know, we really haven't had a lot of competitive uh, opportunities. We really haven't had any. That'll start, uh, you know, I'd say probably in a couple of days here once we, you know, get into padded practices and so forth where we can really go out there and, and compete. Before we get to what he had to say on Cam, Brian Lewerke's also in the room is the most lukewarm endorsement of a person in history. Uh, I you could not like this would be the equivalent of me and you like me giving a rundown and being like you know Josh comes with uh, great research every day he's got uh, facts and knowledge he works very hard great personality and uh, you know we, there's uh, Hacksaw has a pulse and he is also there <laughs> but uh, Brian Lewerke is also in the room if I was Brian Lewerke I would realize that it's time to become an accountant because. You just got yada 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 by the hoodie. Yeah, that wasn't a great look for Brian Lewerke. Uh, it's a tough, tough look for him. Michigan State kid, right? Yeah, Michigan State. Yeah, tough look. Um, but you know, it, it, uh, Belichick did basically use the same excitement to talk about Brian Lewerke as he did Cam Newton. See, I actually have a different conspiracy theory. Belichick spoke about Cam second to throw us off the scent. If he spoke about Cam first, we'd all be saying Cam's a quarterback. 
Kim's oh, he's, he's, that's not a conspiracy. That's that's a fact. He spoke Kim first. But now the fact that he said Stidham first, he's playing mind games. The man's playing checkers. We're all playing. Or, the guy, man's playing chess. We're all playing checkers. He's, I got he's, it right. been, he's been doing that for decades. That, that That's not. I mean, I think that's what happened. Stidham's the incumbent guy. He's been in the system for a year already. Hoyer is old but new. But yeah, he I, he's not. He knows what he's doing. He's not going to put Cam Newton first and anoint him anything because I think he wants Cam. Not that Cam probably needs any more motivation. I think Cam is incredibly motivated to get onto the field and uh, shut a lot of people up. Uh, I, I think that Belichick absolutely is just doing what Belichick does, and he's not going to use the media or use his interaction with the media to tip his hand in any direction. He's never done that. This is not this is the least surprising thing of all time. But yet, in saying nothing, he did also say something. He talked about Cam and, and something we've talked about, which was trying to pick up the offense in the Patriot way, and that was the lone advantage that Jared Stidham had going into this over Cam Newton. Definitely, definitely. And it's going to take Cam a little bit of time, I think, to adapt to this because any quarterback will tell you that learning a new playbook is like learning a new language. And I think for Cam, there will be an adjustment. And I think the Patriots are going to have an adjustment as well. You know, uh, Jason LaCanfora of CBS Sports last week, he he was doing a weekly write-up or whatever. And in part of his dump of all of his notes, he had the the Patriots uh, and Cam, he had a note about them and he said, Something to the effect of the Patriots, uh, I've heard nothing but good things out of New England, and they're really excited about Cam. They're going to adapt to Cam. They're going to adapt their offense to him, and they're going to unleash and unlock him. I think that was the phrase, unleash and unlock Cam Newton. It sounds like the Patriots are really excited about the guy, maybe quietly. Belichick's not going to say it, but I do think that you're going to see. I'm never, I've never been worried about the on-field mesh of Belichick and, and McDaniels and and Cam Newton. I, I, I'm, I think that Cam is going to have an adjustment just in terms of being the man and the greatest player who ever put on the uniform in Carolina to replacing the greatest who ever put on a uniform in New England. It is different. But on the field, New England's the best of the business at adapting to their strengths, the, adapting to their opponents. I'm not worried about that aspect of the game at all. I just want to hear Bill Belichick try to express in words that they're going to unlock all of Cam Newton's abilities. Yeah, he's going to throw the ball and he's going to pass the ball and uh, sometimes he's going to run the ball and, uh, you know, he will take snaps um, from under center. He will take snaps out of the shotgun and uh, he is a quarterback. <laughs> like that right there, that was Belichick speak for we are going to run this mother loving league down. <laughs> Basically, it's about as, as crazy as Belichick's going to get. You know, I've also thought it's interesting two things. So there, everyone's going to overreact to everything that Cam Newton does in New England. I'm fully prepared for that. I agree. But there's there's Cam, there's there's, there's videos of Cam stretching. Right. Stretching with the team, the most mundane video of all time. And I thought Josh Klein brought up a good point. We mentioned it last week on the show. Cam didn't stretch with the team in Carolina. He stretched, did his own stuff inside the building, came out and was playing his own music and dancing and kind of having a good time, which worked in Carolina. Not saying it's a bad thing. Some people take that as a criticism. If Carolina was comfortable with it, teammates were good with it, then great. All good. But in New England, He's out there stretching with the team. Maybe that's that could be for any number of reasons, but people overreact to stuff like that all the time. On the on the flip side, Cam Newton, there's videos today out of practice, their first padded practice. Cam Newton is dancing, dabbing, hitting the doggy, whatever it is he's doing during during drills when he's not up. 
And that's the Cam that we've always known. And it's funny because everybody wanted to tell us when Cam signed, well, no, Cam is just going to walk in there. He's never going to show any personality. He's going to be Belichick 2.0. That was never realistic. But I find it interesting that there's some stuff he's doing that's a little different than the way it was in Carolina. And there's some stuff that looks like the same old Cam we've always known. There's nothing I want more than to be party to a conversation between Cam and Bill on where to stretch. I cuz cuz Bill would you uh Cam I'm going to need you to walk 10 yards over there and stretch with everyone. But I I, can't, I that's actually too direct. I just I just I love the idea. I I I think people have just oversimplified the fit with Cam in New England. I think that's a point I'm making is that they've oversimplified the I don't want to say the issues but the potential for issues there. Even uh, you know, the last uh, last week, so this was we obviously heard from Belichick earlier uh, today, but last week the exact quote on, from Belichick on Cam Newton is: "Cam's a hardworking kid. He really is. He's worked very hard. I'd say, as have all of our players. Because again, you can't just compliment one person. But but then went into you know whatever tepid endorsement Belichick could say about his excitement for Cam. There, I, I think it's not that those things." weren't something to watch for is that the idea that it was going to be this big dramatic thing i think the patriots what they do better than anyone is they tell people the the blunt ass truth the second people walk into the door and then they they will remind you of it uh, every once in a while but then if you just don't live up to what they've said then they just let you go there is no drama there is no confrontation. It's just, hey, this is what we told you it was. You haven't lived up to your side of things, and so we're going to go find somebody who will. And I, I think that's the situation that Cam walked into, which is the same situation every other football player who's gone into New England with Belichick has walked into. Yeah, and we're going to get more info on Cam throughout the week. Well, it sounds like today I was reading the, the practice report from our, uh, our, our friends up at WEI in Boston uh, it, it said basically today was a big heavy run day. They weren't throwing a lot of passes that Cam had a ton of energy, was excited for what it's worth, for what it's worth. They split the reps evenly uh, between the quarterbacks. There was nobody getting more reps with the ones or the twos or the threes or anything like that. But it was a pretty basic day as it is. I think as we get later into the week and we hear more reports out of Boston, I'm a little intrigued to see how they divvy up the snaps. Are they giving it an equal shot between Cam and Stidham? Or are they giving Stan, uh, 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 Cam the the reps with the ones? Is he going to walk in and be that starter? Because we all know he's the most talented quarterback on that roster. I'm curious to see that. And I think the other question that, that comes to my mind with Cam that I, I thought of over the weekend is I, I believe he's a candidate for comeback player of the year, but I don't know that he's the favorite. Uh, but but I'm, I'm excited to see if he can be that guy because he's absolutely a candidate. There are other guys that like, who do you think of these guys would be the best you think is most likely to win comeback player of the year? You got Cam, you got Roethlisberger coming off of a severe injury. You have Gronkowski, who's coming out of retirement to come back and play. He's absolutely a candidate for the award. He's literally coming back. You have Matt Stafford, who missed eight games last season, the last half of last season. A.J. Green. I mean, Alex Smith, throw him in there and coming off the leg injury. Do you think, I mean, who do you think is the most likely to win that comeback player of the year award out of those guys? I think the best story would be Alex Smith. Uh, but again, I don't think it's most likely. I think it's probably Cam because there's, I, I can't see a lot holding back Cam. And I think he's in a situation in New England where if he just keeps up what they're doing, 
people are going to look at it, one, as an affirmation and continued affirmation of Belichick's greatness, but they're also going to say Cam lived up to the moment because the Patriots have still won. Yes, I, I, I do fear, unless Cam is like the souped up version of cam that we've seen in the past. And just, it's undeniable that he has reestablished himself. I am one of the, I'm the dude, I'm a top 10 quarterback in this league again, which is possible. But unless he does that, I think any success the Patriots have, some of it will be taken away from cam because it is Belichick trying to win without Brady because the Patriots, the standard is so high there in new England that anything less than that, like if the Patriots go nine and seven, that's a heck of a year, but it might not be viewed as some sort of resounding success. Because nine and seven in New England typically doesn't cut it. I think that my favorite to win the comeback player of the year award, I think Cam's in the mix. I think it's Matt Stafford. I think Stafford, who was maybe his best ever at the first half of last season before the injury sidelined him for the last half of the year and, and the Lions didn't win another game. It's not that different from the Panthers two years ago, honestly. I think Stafford coming off of his injury, I think has a chance to win that award. And I think the Lions could be very good. But I think what it, it would take something really special for cam to win it just because I, f- I fear too much of the storyline for it, much of the Patriots success is going to, to be taken away from him, which is not fair, well, but, but I think will be taken away from him if they win. That's team success versus individual success. If they, if they go nine and seven, whether it's playoffs or not, and and Cam's numbers look really good, and Cam has several big moments. I think Cam in New England playing really well, and them winning even a slightly more than not. I think it's going to be a big story than even Matt Stafford coming off an injury, winning slightly more than not. I think if both teams went nine and seven, I think Stafford wins it. I, 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 I and I think both that's pretty reasonable expectations for both teams. That would that would now Detroit is probably. I mean, I think Detroit was a nine-win team last year, barring a couple things out of their control, and then, of course, the injury. But if I think the Lions have a roster that could win around eight or nine games. Don't think the division's all that tough. Neither is the AFC East. But I think if the Lions went nine and seven and the Patriots went nine and seven and the Lions made the playoffs, the story's going to be Stafford returns, Lions get to playoffs, save Patricia's job, first playoff appearance in like five, six years, versus with the Patriots, it's... Okay, what do we make of Cam? Is he a franchise quarterback? Is he's not Brady? Uh, Belichick won. Like, there's there's more going on in New England, and I think there's the, the bar is higher. So I think for Cam, my po- my point is that I think the bar is higher for Cam. I think he has to be even better than what Stafford would be, or what you know, even even a guy like Roethlisberger could be. Although I think Ben and Cam are in similar situations. I think if they win nine and seven, people would be saying Cam just went nine and seven with a record that was. Well, really be, uh, torn apart by opt outs and turnover and sure. all the other things. I I think I think you're underestimating the narrative that would be there. And I also think team narratives matter a little bit in individual awards, but I still feel like him such a big story, him fulfilling on his promise and getting back to being a really good player in the NBA would be a bigger story. And I, I think if he was in the NBA, or, uh, he, he the would NBA he too. would be. Uh, comeback player of the year for the last for the next decade put him in power forward for the hornets i don't care what happens i just want to see it happen uh is cam the starter or what uh do you think cam's still gonna be the starter in new england and there's a league full of candidates but there can only be one sports radio fnc
Finzi. Welcome back to Wilson and Parcel. The Rundown coming up in 20 minutes. Uh, in the meantime, I was perusing an article this weekend, Josh, uh, where it was John Breach of CBS Sports, his top 10 coaches who are have the best chance to win their first Super Bowl this year. And there are some names on here that I tend to agree with. I thought it was interesting that Bruce Arians is atop the list because I look at some of the other guys, you know, Kyle Shanahan, who was in the Super Bowl last year, or Sean McDermott in Buffalo with that team. I look at those teams, and and it's it's like a question. There's like one question for me for those teams. Like with Buffalo, it is can Josh Allen be the guy and at least be league average, which is, might be all they need to win win a Super Bowl. Like Kyle Shanahan, it's can they just actually win the Super Bowl because we know they can get there. With Arians, I look at Tampa Bay, and I'm not being negative. It is, how does Arians and and Tom Brady, how do they fit together? It's the offensive line. It is, is the defense closer to what you think of them than what I have thought of them coming off this offseason? There are multiple questions in Tampa Bay. Most of the guys that I thought about when we thought of who has the best chance to become the first, or the coach to win their first Super Bowl this year, it just feels like there's too many questions right now to say that of Tampa Bay and Bruce Arians. Yeah, look, uh, roster-wise, personnel-wise, Tampa Bay is in excellent, excellent shape. Uh, they were the best. They were historically good last year against the run. Uh, the second half of the season last year, defensively, they were much improved against the pass. Uh, some of their young cornerbacks started to, to play really, really well by the by the end of the season. So the and, and that was, I think, a, a big part of that was Todd Bowles getting his system in place in Tampa Bay and working through you know the first year adjustment that they had with a great defensive coordinator. So I love their coaching staff. I love their personnel. For me, the big question with Tampa Bay is. Is it is it too much? Is it, is it too much hype? Is it too much pressure? Are there too many expectations on a team that has a lot of big name guys? But you know, how big of an impact is Rob Gronkowski really going to have? Is this the Gronk that we saw six years ago? Because the Gronk we saw at the end of the run in New England was great in very small bursts, but week to week it was not the same Gronk that we saw when he was in his prime. Um, Tom Brady. Tom Brady struggled last season. I don't believe all of that falls on his shoulders. He certainly doesn't have the excuse anymore of not having weapons around him, but we'll see. I think Tampa Bay has a great roster. I think they have an 11 or a 12 win roster, but I worry about teams in the NFL who, who get this kind of praise before the season even begins. A lot of times when you bring that together in the NFL, it's not necessarily a recipe for disaster. It can be, but sometimes it's a recipe for underachievement. And Kyle Shanahan's the obvious choice for this. I mean, San Francisco was, 40 yards away from winning a Super Bowl last year. They lost to Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes isn't going anywhere, but they they were that close a year ago. They lost DeForest Buckner to Indianapolis. They drafted Javon Kenlaw, who I think is going to I mean, maybe he's not Buckner day one, but Kenlaw is going to be a, a great defensive tackle. I believe they lost Emmanuel Sanders. They added uh, Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State, who I think could be even better than Sanders day one. And by the end of the season, Debo Samuel had emerged as a legitimate uh, kind of what what I think Panthers fans want Curtis Samuel to be. Debo Samuel was that guy. They still have Raheem Mostert in the backfield. They still got Kyle Shanahan calling the plays. They've got Nick Bosa. They've got Richard Sherman. They've got everything that you could want on both sides of the football. San Francisco is far and away of the coaches or of the teams with coaches who haven't won a title. San Francisco is 
is the clear cut choice here is the best, uh, most likely to win a title. Yeah, I I would say Sean McDermott belongs there as well. I I really think I I know that last year in the playoffs we saw Josh Allen. I'm still skeptical on on whether he's going to be the quarterback there or not. I think they're making a big decision, not going more proven with his backup, namely trying to sign a guy like a, a Cam Newton. But it is literally only the quarterback that is in question there. That is a really good roster. They are really stout in the trenches. They just added Stephon Diggs. A lot of homegrown talent. I kind of feel like... This is the year where I, I think we could be in for a really great race. And I feel weird saying it because it's Buffalo and they've had blip seasons before where the next season, the bottom falls out. I don't think that's happening in Buffalo. I would, I would put it on Shanahan and I would put it on Sean McDermott as coaches who have the best chance to win their first Super Bowl this year. I, I maybe even Bill O'Brien in there too. I'm I'm not as down on them, but if that offensive line is better than expected, I don't think the defense is going to be any good two to three years from now, but I think they might have one last stand with that defense. You add a good offensive line in front of Deshaun Watson. I know you lost Nuke Hopkins, but you still got Will Fuller. You still have some speed there. I think I think I would throw Bill O'Brien into that as well. All right. I I don't think Houston's that close at all. Uh, I, I hated the offseason that they had. I hated their draft. I hated the trade of Hopkins. They've got nothing at running back. I mean, David Johnson's a shell of himself. Duke Johnson is a uh, he's a slot receiver masquerading as a running back. Well, I mean, the, Carlos the, Hyde was nobody last year. He came in, was really good in that system. Yeah, they'll, they'll, they, I don't really have a ton of faith in the offensive line is rough outside. And even Tunsil was not the Tunsil that he's good, but he wasn't the top five tackle in the league, which they thought they were trading for last year. They got a lot of young um, guys, though, on that offensive line. Guys like Sharping and Titus Howard. Yeah, Howard was I, bad last who year. Who I think, yeah. well, yeah, but that, yeah. that was a rookie year. Sure, guys sure. can get better in the NFL. Yeah. I, I think if I think if Sharping and Titus Howard take a step this year, I think that offensive line is going to be better. Obviously, the best line Deshaun Watson has ever had. But I, I think they're going to be closer to one of the top 16 offensive lines than I do think bottom 16. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but I, I, I'm not really high on Houston. I think if, if Deshaun Watson can put on a superhero cape, maybe they, they make a run. But, you know, go, going back to McDermott, love the Bills roster. Buffalo going into Arrowhead in January it ain't happening. Kansas City. Kansas City go, isn't unbeatable. I mean, so if the Bills are going up against the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game in Arrowhead Stadium, you you had to bet you, you had to bet money on who wins that game. Well, that's not the point. The point is that it all roads don't go through Kansas City. We know how this works. There is slight rise and fall every single year. Sure. Kansas City could still be a great team. They Buffalo could end up avoiding having to play Kansas City this year, play somebody else in the championship game. Yeah. I, I I think they have a team that outside of quarterback can compete with most rosters in the AFC. I, I understand that it's a big question, but I I don't think it's just as simple as, well, you gotta go just go through Kansas City because we've seen it happen a million times. Hell there are times where you haven't had to go through New England and they've been one of the best teams in the NFL for twenty years. Yeah, I mean, New England's been in the AFC Championship game, what was it, like nine straight years? 
I mean, they were, they were there a lot. And I think Kansas City, I don't, I don't know how many titles Kansas City is going to be winning in the next few years. I think sometimes they may get a little bit too much credit. But if you're asking me who I think is most likely, I can't put McDermott on the same plane as, as Shanahan because I think the 49ers have arguably the best team in the conference already. I think they're just as good, if not better, this year as they were a year ago. They've retained virtually everybody. And the, the guys that they did have to replace, I think that they maybe not upgraded, but certainly stayed pat at only a couple of small positions. And with Buffalo, I've got a quarterback in Josh Allen who looked completely lost in his first playoff appearance a year ago. If you're asking me, do I think that uh, one year later, he's going to all of a sudden be ready to walk in to a potential road game against Kansas city or even Baltimore, who I think is, is significantly better than Buffalo because of the quarterback position and win. I don't see it. I think Buffalo is very good, but if you're asking me who I think is the most likely, it's not about who I think is good. The, the question is who is, has the best chance to win the super bowl. It is Kyle Shanahan and it's probably Arians next. And I would, I, I, McDermott is is more in the category of guys like Mike Zimmer in Minnesota, which has a very good team, but not a not a favorite, or even Mike Vrabel, or like Matt Lafleur. Like those are other names that I think have really good rosters. I'm not putting Bill O'Brien in that mix because I think the Texans roster is bad. But the the other teams in that conversation, I think McDermott is in that group. Second round is a good expectation for Buffalo this year, but I don't think they're a true championship threat, and it's because they don't have a quarterback. There's one guy that I really can't believe is on this list, and I actually like him as much as I like most quarterbacks on this list. It's about my skepticism of the situation, where he's at, and, and where they're turning to, and that's Frank Reich in, uh, in Indianapolis. I I think Phillip Rivers will be better than what he was last year because Sirianni, the offensive coordinator, and, and Frank have a history with him. I still am just skeptical that that it, this feels more like a tryout than it does in Tampa Bay. I mean, Philip Rivers has admitted if he has another year like he had last year, he's he's going to be out of the year, out of the league after this year. I think that's closer to, to to more closer to being likely right now than I think the opposite. I I really like Frank Reich. I think he can be a Super Bowl winning quarterback eventually. I don't know that it's going to be with Philip Rivers, and I don't know that I would put him above McDermott, uh, Bill O'Brien, LaFleur, or or even Vrabel. Where, where was he? I haven't seen the list. Where was he on the list? He was third. Behind Arians and Shanahan? Yes. That's about right. I uh. mean, I mean, I, I, the, the, the Colts last year had about as uh, I, I, the, the worst luck you could have for a team. You lose your quarterback two weeks before the season starts. You have to turn to Jacoby Brissett, who is in no way, shape, or form should be a, a quarterback you build around on a, on a team that has playoff aspirations, yet they had to. And then they dealt with so many injuries. I mean, that receiving room by the end of the season was a wasteland. Uh, they dealt with so many injuries, some on the offensive line as well. The defense was banged up, and they went 7-9. and nine. If you... I mean, obviously injuries can happen any season, but if you assume that the Colts have better injury luck than they did a year ago and that Phillip Rivers is an upgrade over Brissett, which he might be, not a demonstrative one, but an upgrade, I think health is a big reason why the Colts struggled as much as Brissett. You give me a slight upgrade at quarterback, I think the Colts can win the South. I don't think that they're going to win against Kansas City. Same thing I said about Buffalo, but I think that their roster is very good. And if you ask me, I'd... Who do you think would be has a better chance of like winning the Super Bowl this year, the Bills or the... Uh, the Colts. The Colts. I would they, disagree. Well, the Colts have a quarterback who I who I trust isn't going to throw it to fullback forty yards downfield in the playoff was, game. Philip Rivers or, was awful last year. He was Jameis Winston last year in in Los that, Angeles. That, that's that's fine. Did you watch Josh Allen in the playoffs? I'm not. I'm not so telling you Philip Rivers. Awful. 
Mm, no. Philip. if you were asking me in a January game, do I trust a, a future Hall of Fame quarterback who, if, again, hypothetically speaking, has gotten them to the AFC Championship game, do I trust a guy who's been in those spots before? Or do I trust a guy who the last time we saw him in the – the only time we've seen him in the playoffs looked like a, a high school JV player? I'm going to trust the guy who at least has been in that position before. I don't think the Colts are beating Kansas City. I don't think they're beating Baltimore. But if they're getting to that spot, I would feel better about Rivers than – I certainly would feel better about Rivers than I would – Josh Allen. Which coach has the best chance to win their first Super Bowl this year? Uh, CBS Sports says Bruce Arians. I would I would disagree on that one. You're going to hear Teddy Bridgewater's message to his Panthers teammates in the rundown on Sports Radio FNC. Radio FNZ. We're going to get to the rundown in just a second here. But a conversation that just happened off air needs to be brought on air for a second. Because the question was just asked by a person on uh, on the show who shall remain nameless, but it remind, it, it rhymes with uh, Waxaw. Uh, asked Josh and I if they would potentially move the Jazz out of Utah because there is no Jazz in Utah making it seem as if they would move the Jazz out of Utah because of their name. I mean, you know, there's 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 heat in Miami. Uh, there's, I think, a Celtic in Boston. Uh, there's... Are there are there Cavaliers in Cleveland? Maybe at some point there was. I'll, I'll be honest with you. In another <laughs> couple months, there aren't going to be too many more Pistons in Detroit. <laughs> like, I just, I've heard you make some pretty off off key or you know maybe off kilter arguments yeah. this was maybe the most impressive one that you've made to the uh, point uh there's clippers in LA um i think there's lakers i i don't really even know. No, I, see, a little NBA history lesson for you. Do you know where the Lakers originated? No, I didn't. Tell me, Josh. Where do you think? Where would you guess if a team was named the Michigan. Lakers? That's not bad. That's a, that's good enough. That's close. Minneapolis. Yeah. They really? were they were the Minneapolis Lakers. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of lakes. Land of ten thousand lakes in Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. So they moved uh, in the sixties. They moved to Los Angeles. Became the L.A. Lakers. The Upper Peninsula does connect to Minnesota. So look at that. That's actually not true. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Wisconsin, it, kind of, but never mind. Yeah, not true. Is this hacked but, on uh, geography now? I don't uh, know what's going either, on. Either way. It does connect to somewhere, though, and I think that's important that we say that. Uh, so, again, yes, no, using Hacksaw's logic, they have to move the Lakers out of L.A. because there, there are no lakes in L.A. Look, can we just get the Supersonics back? That's all I want. Okay, now, see, that is a completely <laughs> reasonable argument. Uh, that you could possibly have. It is time for the rundown here on Wilson and Parcel. And Panthers quarterback Teddy Bridgewater spoke to the media today and discussed the message he gave to the backup quarterbacks on the roster. I shared a, a message with those guys a couple days ago about how when my opportunity came last year against the Rams and I wasn't prepared. And I had my mind made up that, man, I was behind Drew Brees. Previous year, he never missed the game. Man, I'm never going to play. That was my mindset. But that's something that I told those guys that, man, after that game against the Rams last year, like I was embarrassed. I had to hear it from my family. I had to hear it from the fans and just everyone. And, and I told myself I never want to experience that again. My message to those guys was just, you know, always stay ready. You know, it's easy to say, oh, man, I know this, I know that. But when you're out there in live action, you know, are you truly ready? For those guys, you know, I'm excited to be in the same room with those guys. You know, Will and PJ, they're doing a great job of just – you know, taking coaching from Jake, learning this offense and you know, the, applying it to the football field. 
It's a great message from Teddy to those younger guys. Uh, that That's great leadership on his part, learning from experience and using that to, to help the young kids for sure. I'm not super jazzed up about hearing that Teddy wasn't really ready to go last year. I mean, you know, Brian Hoyer in New England, is, he's been a backup forever, but he's talked about how even when Tom Brady was there and I'm, I was practicing and training in training camps with Tom, I still prepared to be the starter. You should always do that as a, as a backup. Sometimes you, you get in your head, yeah, hey, I'm behind Drew Brees and I'm probably never going to play. And then all of a sudden your number gets called. It's another reason why uh, I think I, I'm just a quick take as I listen to that. I, I don't think it's really fair. I, I, sometimes when people criticize Bridgewater last season, they go, oh, look at the, the, the Rams game. Like, he was thrown into the game having not been the starter. And now he's telling you he wasn't even really ready to go, which is on him. But um, when I look at him after that Rams game, something did switch with him because Teddy was very efficient and very productive once he became the starter. Uh, so a good little lesson for him to, to give to the young guys because you never know when P.J. Walker or even Will Greer may have to be in the game. Did he give this to just P.J., but Will also <laughs> was in the room, so he had to say backup quarterbacks? <laughs> is this is this like when Belichick talked about the Patriots quarterbacks and he said Brian Lewerke is also in the room have we reached that status with Will Greer yet that Will Greer is also in the room so he also heard these words said even though they were meant for PJ Walker this is like when you guys are having a conversation but I'm also in the room so you have to include me in the conversation, but you really don't want sure, to. Sure, this is like... That's the whole show. Sure, this is like when somebody comes and wants to sponsor the show, yes. and the salespeople are talking to us, and then you, you're you uh, there, so you're go. like, so what about Hacksaw? Yeah. Right? You are the Will Greer of the show. Okay, well, I quit. Yeah, you're better... Yeah, no, uh, dude, don't listen to that. You're better than that. I could, I could ne- I've said a lot of mean things to you. I could never say something so mean as that you are the Will Greer of this show. I, I, I won't. I can't. I can't co-sign that. No is way. Greer that new, moron. That is. Is Greer the new Clausen? Like, are we like? Yeah. Oh, you Clausened it, bro. Like, no. Is no. It now? Greer is not the new Clausen. Clausen <laughs> no? was butt, and then became well, Clausen. Will Greer is not. It's thrown five passes in the NFL. That I mean, was a hurtful thing you just said, though. So. I mean, if Greer had to start the whole season, it probably wouldn't go any better than Clausen's year did. It wouldn't. <laughs> Number two. Got a little sick in my stomach. All right, Adam Amin from ESPN. Actually, no, he's not ESPN. What is he, Fox Sports Fox now? Fox Sports yeah, these days. that's right. Fox Sports, also the Bulls play-by-play guy. Great guy. I uh, joined the show earlier and talked about which team out of L.A. has the best chance to come out of the West in the NBA playoffs. I think Clippers. Uh, I think the Clippers are a better team overall. Uh, I think their depth, as we discussed, is is probably second to none i mean they're the they're one of the two or three teams in the nba that can legitimately go five for five like switch out your entire first five and put in a like go line change and not lose a significant level of production uh i i think their lineup is as good as it comes and obviously we're not even talking about the other three guys in the starting lineup beverly uh, leonard george three of the tougher defenders in the nba they're all playing on the perimeter and that's what scares me if you're the lakers I'd be scared about that Clippers team. We've seen how they've gone up against one another. I think they split the season series to a piece, and it was difficult on LeBron on uh, in multiple facets because of guys like Beverly and Kawhi. The biggest knocks on the Clippers are time spent together. They've had some chemistry issues that have, have bubbled up here and there because it's basically two superstars joining a team that had congealed to, to, to something special as a team last year and then injuries. And I think they have more than enough time in the playoff 
to answer time spent together and chemistry issues. The big question is, if you do face off against the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, is everybody healthy and ready to go? If the answer is yes, I can't bet against LeBron, but I do think the Clippers are the the better team, and I don't think it's I don't think it's as close as it was, or as close as we thought it was going to be when the season began. I, I just feel a lot better about the Clippers right now than I do the Lakers. Uh, thankfully for LA, um, although I really love the Blazers' chances in this series, they at least got the one seed. Uh, the Clippers have a, an incredibly tough matchup in the first round against Dallas. I think the Clippers are built to stop Dallas and should win this in probably five. But anytime you've got to play Luka Doncic and Przingis in the first round, that's not a, just a walk in the park. So I think the Clippers are the better team. They've got the bodies to throw at LeBron James. Uh, and the Lakers were the worst offensive team in the bubble. Out of all 22, they were the worst offensive team in the bubble. They were an absolute mess. Uh, outside of their win over the Clippers, which was a good win, in the return to the bubble uh, on opening night back on July 30th, uh, they just, they've looked disjointed. They're, they've, they're missing Avery Bradley. They're going to get Rondo back soon, which is huge for them to get him back this early. And maybe that's enough. But I, I really do think the Clippers are the favorites out of the West. I would not be surprised if the Lakers lose to the Blazers. I would not be surprised if the Lakers lost to the Rockets in the second round. I'm very worried about this Lakers team right now. And I think once you have LeBron playing 42 minutes a night, which is what he does in the playoffs, I think... I think I think the early concerns about the Lakers will wash away. That it will still matter once you get into that uh, series up against the Clippers, should that come to fruition. Number three, Panther safety. I would say friend of the show. I hope he would say the same. Trey Boston spoke to the media today and was asked if Thieves Avenue is still the motto for the secondary. No, no, it's the same. It's the same. It's one mentality here. Uh, You got to just keep renewing it. You know, it's it's like it's like the lease. You know, we we just renew it. We got everybody has to earn it. And uh, guys might come and go, but it's it's a lineage that we're we're passing down. And uh, as long as I'm here, it's going to be here with me. It's going to be what we do. Uh, We are thieves. We will rob teams of the rock and uh, we will not give it back. Uh, We're taking fresh loot. I'm letting you know. And uh, we we can't wait. I I think. uh, Having an identity helps guys, uh, you know, come to come to work every day knowing that this is a brotherhood. We got to hold each other accountable, and we are thieves. So what do thieves do? They steal. <laughs> I love that. Thieves Avenue is too good of a nickname to die, right? Like the steel curtain has stuck around forever. Like the, the Pittsburgh defense, oh, it's, it's the steel curtain. Like people kind of lovingly refer to the Steelers defense for the last thirty years, even though the true steel curtain will always be the late 70s Pittsburgh defense. I believe the real true Thieves Avenue will always be the 2015 Panthers secondary, which Trey Boston was a part of. But that's the kind of nickname, man. You don't want that to go away. So a lot to live up to because the, the, the Panther secondary is the weakness on this roster. It is the least proven group, uh, uh, any position on the entire roster, offense or defense. And if Dante Jackson and Eli Apple play like they've had the last couple of years, there's not going to be a whole lot of thieving going on. But if they can get it together, I, I would love to see the Thieves Avenue nickname stick around because I think it's one of the best nicknames in the NFL. Well, listen, you can keep nicknames around because nicknames can also change meaning right like we know why they were called thieves avenue in the first place now they can be called thieves avenue because most of these dudes are stealing money 
because mm. cause Dante Jackson, no bueno. Because Eli Apple shouldn't be in a friggin' Oof. roster. Because the fact that your best, your your second best corner or third best corner is TJ Green, a guy who's been bounced around the NFL just about as much as anybody else has. The only dude here who isn't stealing money until proven otherwise is Trey Boston. So, yeah, there's still Thieves Avenue. Who is TJ Green? <laughs> he is one of the backup corners. Wow. All right. Number four. Or safety. Learn something new every... Yeah, I say... You, yeah, anyway. He played, something he played new every, corner every previously, but I think they list him as a safety. During the broadcast, the rebroadcast of the 2015 NFC Championship game on Saturday. Really cool thing the Panthers are doing, playing some classic games instead of preseason games. Honestly, better football watching these classic games than watching Will Greer out there with the third stringers in the second half on a, uh, August crisp August Saturday night. Uh, but they had a watch party on Saturday when you were watching Panthers-Cardinals. Luke Keekley, Josh Norman stopped by, and Luke had some thoughts on this year's Panthers team. It did not go over very well. Are you guys working? Yeah, Are you we guys always working? work. That's why we're, that's why we're going to be good this year. <laughs> 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 All right, don't make me laugh. We're starting off. <laughs> Let me watch you know this game real quick you. right here, Josh. I believe you, Luke. I believe in you, okay? Wow, that's, that's very cool by Josh Norman there. Here's the thing. Uh, every time Josh Norman talks bleep, somebody should show him walking off the field as a uh, as the field goal attempt is going on or some of the other times where he's walked off the field before the, uh, the, the play is finished. Love Josh Norman, but uh, too cold for me. Well, if anybody knows what bad football looks like, it's Josh Norman over the last couple of years. So you got to give it to the expert. He knows what he's talking about. He's not wrong. All text this hour, courtesy of the Building Center. All tweets, courtesy of Diamonds Direct. That was the rundown. Bucky Brooks with a strong take on Trevor Lawrence heading into the draft in 2021 on Sports Radio FNC.